0: We've been uh, following along with our seven signs. We, we had a little break um, in the middle to do the seven I am as an Easter and we've come back to it and Joanne brought us a message last week to bring us back into the seven signs and today we, we're doing our sixth sign um, performed by Jesus and recorded in the Gospel of John. The actual sign is, is actually recorded in the first passage of John but I wanted to actually let you have the whole of that passage because it's actually incredibly important for us to to hear it and understand it and see it and know it because it speaks about us. It's not just about the blind person being healed but it is about also the reaction of all those around that blind man and that healing in Jesus and what they bring to it and how they respond that speaks to us today very clearly. First of all, we're going to have a look at the, how disciples reacted to this blind man. See, so as Jesus went along, he saw a man born from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, when the disciples asked this question about the blind man, they actually showed themselves a sense of their own blindness. So they were blinded by their own judgmental attitudes. It was a common belief back then that that any physical defect was actually a punishment for someone's sin. The question they asked wasn't actually unusual but it showed that they were were blind to to God's reality. And here's how Jesus opened their eyes to the truth. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God may be displayed through him. See, when the disciples looked at this blind man, they saw someone to analyse and to talk about. When Jesus looked at the blind man, he saw someone that could display the glory of God, that needed compassion and care. Most people today actually don't believe that sickness or deformity is a punishment for someone's sin. But when we look at people with problems, many of us are actually still blinded by our own judgmental attitudes. We may not make the same statements that the um, disciples made, but we still are blinded by our own judgmental attitudes. See, it can be tough for people who are living and going through sickness and ill health. You know, before I became a minister, before I did uh, the work within the church, I used to be a um, research scientist. And I helped out with, um, and, and I actually did my study in an area of expertise was in Im- immunology. And I actually um, helped out a number of times in looking at the area of HIV. And so, believe it or not, that's quite a number of years ago. So science and everything's moved on and, and carried forth. But it's interesting because I came across that judgmental attitude then. You know, I would meet people who were living, who'd contracted HIV and were living with it. And it was interesting because <clears throat> these people had people around them, people who maybe only met them for the first time, being judgmental towards them. You know, when you, when you hear HIV, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, how did you contract it? Was it something that you did? Was it your lifestyle, your behaviour? Who, are and that's the judgmental attitude coming out. It doesn't have to just be HIV; it could be anything. It could be somebody dying of liver disease, and you think, "Well, how did that happen?" You know, we do bring our own judgmental attitudes. We do bring our own opinions into these things, and while <clears throat> opinions are important. Often what happens just as the disciples, those opinions, while well-intentioned, are often wrong. The thing is we still don't really have an answer why good people suffer. But I can say that a life displaying the glory of God is still a life displaying the glory of God, regardless of whether they are living with a disease or they're not. It's really important for us to be able to go, how can I give my glory to God? Not to be looked upon, not to be frowned upon, not to be regarded as something less because I am struggling with something. Throughout life, some people will never be healed, will never find that healing or wholeness that only God's grace can can provide in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense they are healed and made whole through the grace of God but see the thing is and as we see in the passage today that even if somebody living with say with a mental health illness or HIV or whatever it is God's grace and power flow, can flow through them and they can show us so much more. The question for us is, how do we see the people around us? When you see people who are flawed, who are struggling, and you see someone who's sick or disabled, an alcoholic or a drug addict, a homeless person, are you blinded by a judgmental attitude that sees them as a lost cause, as somebody that, that is not worthy of your time or attention? Ask Jesus to open the eyes, not of them, but of you, to be the potential that God is there transforming their lives and transforming the lives around you. See, what Jesus did, he spat in the ground, put mud on the man's eyes, told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, and when the blind man came back, He could see. But we immediately find that he encounters the next group of people who are blind themselves. And they are blinded by their own cynicism. And that was the crowd, the friends, those around them. Instead of being amazed and excited, some of the folks started arguing. Some of them said, hey, this blind man can now see. The other said, no, that guy just looks like him. Now, I want to kind of just put it aside. I want to see this happen. Meanwhile, the man told them, hey, I am this person. I am this man. Can you imagine? This guy can see for the first time in his life, but he gets put on the defensive. He has to try to convince the skeptics of who he really is. He, he tells the story of what happens over and over and over. But some people are too cynical to admit even the possibility that his story could be true. Do we ever miss the amazing miracles that God is performing because we are too cynical to believe that they've happened? If you hear of a criminal who who in in jail finds God, do we find that a cynical approach that with a cynical attitude? Or do we go, that's fantastic? If someone claims that God has healed them from sickness, do you try to figure that they probably weren't that sick in the first place? Because you were too cynical to believe? Sure, there are times when people make false claims. But if we become really cynical about things, we actually run the risk of missing the joy, the hope, the transformation that God has in people's lives. You know, I come from the generation of cynical people. I'm, I'm what's known as a Generation X, aren't I? So I I'm, and and one of those things is they are very, very cynical. You look at stuff and you're going... Oh, really? And, and my youngest one knows that I can be very like that, aren't I? If, if it's, if I, you know, especially with the internet now. Have, have you noticed that things that are just too good to be true out there? Well, obviously, they're too good to be true. There's my cynical nature coming out, you know? There's something, and we only had this little um, thing yesterday, you know, there was uh, watches for free. And I said, wow, that's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, the free shipping and everything else. I said, well, let's just go through the process. Let's look at it, see whether it is. So you can't unclick the international shipping that has a cost of you know, 30-odd dollars, whatever it might be. But see, there's the cynical part of me coming out, just going, yes, it's really good, it's wonderful, but cynically, I go, well, it can't be. But I need to check myself at times too. Yes, there are scams. There are things that want to just take us for a ride. But when people are going, God has done something for me, God has done something amazing in my life. Am I going to be cynical about it? Or am I going to let God work through me and change my heart around this situation? And that's what I want to do. I want to be somebody who would rather be fooled once or twice than be completely cynical about everything that God is doing in our midst. And then we move on our next characters within the story, the next people we encounter who who are blind themselves, they're the Pharisees who heard that this blind man could now see and also heard that it happened on the Sabbath. And see, they were blinded by their own traditionalism. Right before their eyes, they saw an amazing miracle. But all they could see was that Jesus was breaking a tradition. See, the Pharisees were really proud of their traditions. They were proud of their reputation. Their very identity came from knowing and enforcing their religious traditions. It, it defined who they were. Have you ever had that? You know, do you know that maybe you've got your own traditions that you you love and you, you, you want to maintain. But what happens if something new and amazing is happening right in front of you and you just cannot let it happen or you don't want to believe in it or you just want to push it aside or you want to fight against it because you are stuck in your own traditionalism? Sometimes church, oh, I had to say this sometimes churches suffer from this same kind of blindness as well. The problem comes when we can't get past our own past, our own heritage holds us back from moving forward. We need to be very careful that our past does not become the hindrance for what the church is trying to do now. See, I remember being in a church. That once had a very strong youth group, a very big Sunday school, lots of kids. The church was large and the minister was really well revered. Spent lots of time there and you know the kids and the youth group and the Sunday school grew and the families grew up and you know they would count that minister as their friend, the family friend. But now that minister's moved on. The church doesn't really have a Sunday school anymore. The youth group, while not really there, is kind of just there. The minister has different ideas about the way things are meant to be happening. But see, the church is growing. It's gone from being really small and starting to grow again. But people are complaining because, not because the church is growing, but because things are being done in a different way. Complaining because there's a difference. Only if we go back to the way things were, then it would all be better. See, this church was starting to fail because their glorious past was stopping their future from happening. They were blinded by their own traditionalism. It is possible to be blinded by what, from what God is doing now because we just want to hang on to what God did all that time ago. We can't get past our own past. See, so for me, I don't want to miss what God is doing right now. I don't want to miss because we're focused on the way things used to be all the time. God has a new grace, a new beginning, a new life for us, new ways of being. And if we're not blinded by our own our comfortable traditions, then we are willing to embrace and grab that. I've visited many churches, traditional, small, medium-sized, contemporary, large-sized, dynamic, all sorts of things. And I have to say... I actually see this in many places. Churches that are that are not doing well have often held on and will not let go to a past that is no longer there. And I see some new churches that are thriving because they're willing to embrace new things. Willing to get in and get involved. See, the Pharisees here in the scripture that we have in front of us, the Pharisees were determined to deny the unbelievable miracle so they called the blind man's parents in for questioning because their tradition said this couldn't happen. So they wanted to call in the parents and asked, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? And see, the parents' answer also shows that they were blinded. but they were blinded by something else. They were blinded by fear. They say, you know he is our son. We know that he is our son, the parents answered. And we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak of himself. His parents said this because they were actually afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who had knowledge, acknowledged that that Jesus was the Messiah, would actually be put out of the synagogue. And that's why his parents said, He's of age, ask him. These parents had good reason to be afraid. Just before this happened, Jesus had a very public confrontation with the Pharisees. Jesus claimed to be the light of the world and his claim made the religious leaders so mad that they actually tried to stone him. The last thing these parents wanted was to get into the middle of a fight between Jesus and the Pharisees. if they spoke up for Jesus, they knew they would be excommunicated, removed. That was actually a big deal in the Jewish world of that day. This fearful couple knew that excommunication would make them a stranger in their own families and with their own friends. And it would become impossible for them to live and conduct business in their community. They were afraid of becoming outcasts. So they pointed to their own son and, in a manner of speaking, threw him under the bus. Basically saying, he's of age, don't ask, ask, ask him. Now, this is where we get to the really fun part of the story because ironically, the blind man was the only one without the blind spots that all the others had. And if we read what he said, the second time that he was summoned back the man who'd been blind said, give glory to God by telling, the, he was asked, give glory to God by telling the truth. You know that this man was a sinner. And then he replied, and this is fantastic. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You know, He was able to speak the truth about what happened to him not conjecture about everything else, not trying to put attitudes or behaviours onto other people, but purely saying, this is what I know about me. This is what happened. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen the first time. I've told you once, you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? That really, like, just pushed the button, didn't it? You know, this guy might have been blind, but he was not stupid. He knew what was going on, and he knew all the things around it, he knew the consequences, yet he didn't care. He chose that God had done something amazing in him. And then what did those people who should have embraced him do? what did those people that should have cared for him and brought him in do? i held insults at him and said you are this fellow's disciples you we're disciples of moses we know that god spoke to moses but for this fellow we don't even know where he comes from and the man answered now this is remarkable you don't know where he comes from yet he opened my eyes and we know that god does not listen to sinners he listens to godly people to godly persons who does his will. And nobody ever has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. And if man were not from God, he could do nothing. And then they keep on, and then they find that you know, his answer really just kind of annoys them because they know he's right, and they go, you are steeped at sin at birth, but how do you lecture us? And they threw him out, just as his parents feared they would do to them if they answered what they knew. But Jesus was about to do an even greater miracle for this brave man. And when Jesus heard that he had thrown him out, he went and found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? He asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man responds in the best way possible, in the only way possible, really. He says, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Is that what we need to do? And the answer is yes. We need to be brave enough to do that for ourselves, to say, yes, Lord, I believe, and we worship him. So we see that there are many kinds of different blindness within this story. And I I trust and I pray that God has been maybe poking you. Maybe there's a blindness that you have towards a judgmental attitude. Maybe you are cynical and blinded by your own cynicism. Maybe you're blinded by a sense of traditionalism, of holding on to the past and never letting anything new happen. Or maybe you yourself are blinded by fear. What is God speaking to you today? Are you willing to say, I was blind, but now I can see? Let's just pray together. Lord God, we, just, we ask that you open our eyes. Open our eyes to see your glory, your love, You're working within this world. Help us not to leave this passage of Scripture just as a story, but as something that speaks to us deeply and completely. Oh Lord God, we ask today that we may be made whole and complete that our eyes may be open, our ears may be cleared, and our hearts may be renewed to know the love of God in our lives. Amen.